Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, my goodness. Is it raining at your house? If it's not, it will be. If If it's really bright sun at your house, if it's not, it will be. We're in a changeable weather pattern. That's July. Welcome to my birthday. Hello. <laughs> it's not today, but I'm celebrating. You know, you have to celebrate for about a week. So that's what we do around here. That means um, in my world, it's yellow watermelon, fried shrimp, sliced tomatoes, and apparently some new recipes for eggplant. I posted a picture of the tiny, cute little eggplant plant that uh, I'm growing with the little baby eggplants on it that are about the size of big earrings. And they're absolutely delicious roasted. But when I posted the picture, I said, how do you like yours? And, of course, everybody who weighed in weighed in with a different way of doing it, the most recent of which is moussaka. Hadn't even thought about moussaka in years. So there's going to be some eggplant somewhere in here, too. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. We talk about what we grow. We talk about how we like it, whether we don't. Sometimes we talk about how to get rid of stuff. Hello, gripe weed. Anyway, and, and most of the time... We talk about whatever's on your mind or your texts. Beginning with, of course, today, Trey and Grenada's table full of tomatoes. And I mean, as far as the eye can see, table full of tomatoes. (laughs) We're getting used to that, Trey. It's really fun. Every year he's got more, and that's a delight. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Records do grab attention, but you have to look behind them sometimes to see exactly what's going on. And all week... I have been hearing, well, you know, this was the hottest and that was the hottest and the other was the hottest and one thing and another and the temperature and the yada, yada, yada. Um, I I talked to someone today that I had not spoken to in quite a while. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to think of how few clothes I can put on and still go outside. So that's kind of how we're all living at this point. But Thursday's planet, this week Thursday's planetary average surpassed the 62.9 degree mark this is an average yes there are places that are cold okay but there's so many that are hot that the whole business has gone up until monday no day had passed the 62.6 degrees fahrenheit which is 17 degrees celsius for those of you who know how to do that one in the whole tool 44 years of their records now we can't look back in the millennia all right we don't you know we can't we can't look back that far but we can look back a long time and this is it it's certainly plausible according to university of pennsylvania climate scientists that these were the warmest days globally in 120,000 years i can't vouch for that i wasn't here but i do know that a friend of mine is in phoenix arizona this morning and she posted the picture of the data on her car you know screen and it really and truly is 105 already in phoenix It will be 120 in Phoenix this week. That's not the heat index, and that's not usual even for Phoenix. 
So whether it is more roads buckling or, unfortunately, more people succumbing to heat illnesses, be careful. Pay attention. Uh, I know a, a person or two that feels like they're just so tough, you know, that nothing's going to bother them. Pay attention. Because believe you me, this is going. It's, it's still hot. It does, we, we're getting used to it, but it's still hot. Let's see. Paula's in Caledonia. She's on the text line today, and you can be too. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. We always thank Ceasefire so much for that. She is struggling with mealybugs on her outdoor house plants. Any tips? Yes. Oh, absolutely. When mealybugs get to the point where they're on more than one plant. You, first of all, need to separate those plants from anybody that doesn't have a mealybug on it. And then you need to pre- begin an eight-day interval spray program with something as simple as insecticidal soap. But you want to spray the ones that have got it, and you want to spray the ones that have not got it. There are very few plants on the list that you'll find on the label for a good insecticidal soap product that will tell you, you know, don't spray it on baby ferns. I mean, there's, you know, there's things that even insecticidal soap will kind of melt, particularly in the heat. Always make sure the plants are watered before you spray them. Spray the upside, the downside, the whole plant, even if you only see mealybugs on one part of it, because trust me, if they're there, they're there. So that's, that's what I have done, and I found it. it's particularly good that they're outside. That makes it a lot easier to do. But mealybugs, you don't, you want to deal with them now. She's absolutely right. Thank you, Paula, for being so smart, because uh, if you don't, they're only going to continue to breed every eight days. And at the the result of that, of course, is that by the time it's time to bring those houseplants indoors, you have no idea how many mealybugs you have, but you have a lot. And so that's a good thing to do. Keep them out. I appreciate that. The um, the night temperatures in um, Adrar, Algeria last week <clears throat> never got below 103.3 at night. That's unusual even for there. We ought to pay attention to this stuff. Keep up with it. Something that can take the heat that I have been so happy to look at, and in- including this morning here in front of the radio station, There's, there are plants that do well, and there are plants that do really well in the summer. Coleus is one that does really well in the summer. It's a plant that is... We obviously we grow it for its leaves, not its flowers. Like most things in the Lamiaceae family or the mint family, as it is known, when they go to bloom, when coleus goes to bloom, it takes the energy away from the leaves. And what we want are the colorful leaves, so we keep those plucked off, keep those flowers off of there. Same thing's true with basil, which is in that same family. If basil goes into flower, you're losing flavor in the leaves, so keep those flowers picked off as well. Really fun plant, though. Coleus has had a big resurgence. My my grandmother grew a coleus, okay? But now you can grow coleus with leaves bigger than your hand, you know, and and more cuts and fancier lacy things than you've ever seen. Because they're so popular, people keep breeding them and selecting even more exciting ones to look at. It is still true that if you want, it, for example, if you have a partly shady bed on one end that's that way under a tree and then the the other end of the bed is in full sun it's really a good idea to use the lighter colored coleus the the yellows and the pale greens and those those kind of things the pinkyish ones in that shadier area they can't take the sun as well and they'll lose their color but the bright ones 
really need the sun to show off all their best. So those are two things you might 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 want to know about that particular plant. Something I really like, one that I'm crazy about, in fact. Now, I mean, what's going on in my garden? Let's see now. I've got um, a, a holly bush that was variegated that has decided it doesn't want to be anymore. Don't think that's the result of heat, but it has meant that I had to go out and prune off some of it, and I still didn't get all of it. It put on this big flush of growth. It's not great. I have three tomatoes that are still doing pretty well and actually have fruit on them, and I have one that looks to me like the blight has got it, and I'm going to cut the tomatoes off and fry them (laughs) because that's going to be all that's left. These are pieces of advice that you may or may not want to follow, but that you may find helpful along the way. Give me a call this morning, 888-808-8637 is the Super Talk call line. And thank goodness you will first hear Lance when you call us here and you know, he's going to ask you your name. He's going to ask you what you want to talk about. He's going to ask you where you're calling from. But when you text, you need to tell me that because <laughs> I'm going to look at those words and I'm going to say, Brenda from Belzona, if you don't tell me who you are. And you, you might you might want me to do that. You might be looking for a pen name. You know, you're going to write a book or something. That's OK, too. There are an awful lot of things that happen to all of us that we share in terms of our gardens, and one of them is the what to do about the tomatoes question. So if you want to talk about that, we can. We I know we're going into that point in the year where we really aren't going to hear as much from tomatoes. They're just going to kind of sit there and look at us. Aha, the tomato man. Well, you know, you helped me out this week. I got week. that picture. I, yeah, I have to say thank you because I did have another one uh, <laughs> that ended up having the same blossom in right. Yeah. And I cut it open. It was significantly smaller than the bigger one. And, uh, you know, uh, within a few minutes, that stuff just, the black turned. You know, it just takes over the green, beautiful Quickly. tomato. Now, one above it seems to be doing okay. And I aerated the soil a bit trying to get some dryness maybe down mm-hmm. in the bottom and mm-hmm. took, That's my, a good idea. took my bamboo stick and you know loosened it up down all the way to the bottom in a summer like this where we where it's it's stormy wet 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 one day and then doesn't rain or it rains every single day it's really hard to keep that moderate water amount in in south florida for example where it doesn't rain for weeks at a time and i believe it or not it it, it isn't isn't quite the tropics they have rain but they don't have pounding rain in the way that we do or have had this summer so they actually irrigate tomatoes in many places and as a result they're giving them exactly how much water they think they need and then they they can take it out when they need to that's why the tomatoes in the store tend to be a little bit closer to one another in size <laughs> as well as the variety choices we talked about this before and i've got a, a, a had a great question yesterday oh my goodness we're going to talk about those tomatoes this morning why would there be you plant all the same variety, and the ones over here on this side look great. All the fruit's fine. The ones on the other side over here are completely cat-faced and twisted up. And there, there's a couple of reasons for that. So if that's your thing, you know, by all means, let me know. I will talk about it. I'm in a, in a deep email conversation. These are the most beautiful, strange-looking beefsteak tomatoes you'll ever see. I bet they're still delicious, but... You can't slice them because they're all knobby. And cat facing, by the way, for those of you who don't know what that is, we know what blossom end rot is. That's when the bottom of the tomato is hanging off the plant and the bottom part of it where it was the blossom end 
turns black. That's because of a water problem, usually too much one time and not enough over the period or too much all the time. It it interferes with the uptake process, which in turn interferes with the amount of calcium that gets into the fruit. So that goes, calcium, of course, is one of the components that makes cell walls stronger. So that's why it collapses. The, The fruit tries to expand and it can't, so it collapses. Well, the other thing that happens is you'll you'll look at the bottom of the tomato sometimes and it'll have this kind of round seam on it that you didn't expect. And then sometimes it even has a little nose at the bottom that's called a cat face. That's also a water issue, but it's earlier in the evolution or, or development rather of the tomato. It happens earlier on and it's at a, it's a point where something either was too chilly or was not wet enough or something and, and the tomato had to put on a defense. And it goes on and develops and it's fine. You know, you don't, some varieties tend to do that more than others, but you don't have to worry about eating it. It's going to be fine. But it's not real attractive. And if you're um, in the traditional produce world, it would not be particularly sellable. You'd be making, you know, jelly or something out of it. <laughs> yes, there is tomato jelly, for those of you who didn't happen to know that. And, and bacon jelly, too. There's bacon that, jelly. That's that's a, stuff's amazing. <laughs> Goodness. I don't know, like, who invented it, but uh, somebody mentioned it, that it was on something at a restaurant I was at. And I'm like, are you bacon jelly? And this was years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I tried it. And I was like, oh, my Lord. This it, is. it used to be when you would go to um, dinner on the ground at the church, there would always be these bowls of things that you didn't know what they were. And one of them inevitably was bacon jelly. But you didn't know, you know, because it's, it's a potluck. There's food all over the place. So that's one of the things that is always fun. Oh, there's Trey's butter beans. See, he told me he was going to be shelling butter beans today, and there they all are. It's a mountain, y'all. Come on. <laughs> And his, you know, the the tomatoes look great. He has no Beautiful. cat faces on there. Whole tr- nope. Whole table full of beauties. Nope. That's he, nothing but BLTs as long all day long. All you want. That's exactly right. Or you know, we we can talk him in. You know, this is these are the ones you just pick up and eat. You know, as if it was an apple or something. I know there's people that don't like tomatoes. I have one friend that I know is listening right now and is flinching because she doesn't like tomatoes at all. And happy birthday to you. Um. Seed survival is on my mind. I have been trying to decide. I have, a, I have some seeds that wouldn't start. So a friend has friend kept some seed from last year for the orange cosmos that I like so much. And I started them. They didn't start. So I started some more, and they did. And I kept thinking, why? How do we... How do seeds even survive? I'm I'm not that great at it, but I'm not that bad either. So how does all this work? Luckily, because when you think of these things nowadays, there's still somebody who's going to show you something more about it, and all of a sudden it pops up in your, your news feed from Penn State. A new study that included millions, okay, we needed three computers to do this, millions of tree-year observations worldwide, what a great database, tells us how... The seed production of the tree is defended by the tree, and its dispersal is also defended, particularly by forest trees, on the global scale. The bottom line is when we that we have to understand about masting. And masting is something that somebody taught me about for about a minute in horticulture school. But it is the... It's it's how come this year there's a whole bunch of seeds and next year there's none. It's why this year, for example, in my yard, there'll be 10 zillion acorns and next year there won't be any. The, the, the squirrels can't eat all of them. So it's just a 
question of production from the trees. They try to understand about that unpredictability and how it plays a, a, a consequence to both the, the food webs, of course, that are be, built on the seeds, but also the seeds in the trees themselves. So what they're looking at, the, these wonderful, wonderful things, the, some seeds that are not eaten by the critters during the mashed year, the one that is gigantic production, will germinate and grow into new trees. And that leads into more trees, but it's understanding how that's going to happen and when it's going to happen and having a model to go by that allows the tree manager to help the situation. Well, that makes a lot of sense if we're trying to maintain, as we do here in our state of Mississippi, lots of forest. We're trying to do that. We're trying to do it better. So if we can understand more about it, the word for today, my friends, is masting. Paula from Caledonia says that she loves ketchup but not tomatoes. I I have a child that feels that way. It's one of those confusing things you don't know about. Oh, that's beautiful. Cheryl's in Vestavia, Alabama with gorgeous, gorgeous sunflower. That is magnificent. Oh, my goodness. And, yes, you can save seeds. Um, Most of the time, people will put a bag around, you know, so that when they fall, they fall into the bag still on the plant. But if the weather doesn't allow for that, Go ahead and cut the stem, hang them upside down with something underneath it that they can fall into, and they will continue to ripen. There's uh, there's a lot of things going on in this world. We all experience some of the same things. So for this morning, I'm just going to say rest in peace to our good friend, the artist John Meek. We'll miss you. pint of coffee ice cream with dark chocolate flavored chunks and a decadent coffee fudge swirl. It's the jolt you need to perk up your day. The good old days are being made right now. Look for Bluebell ice cream at your local grocer and pick up your favorite flavor today. I'm David Frederick, owner of Frederick Sales and Service in Brandon. I'm here to tell you that springtime is the best time to buy a new X-Barn zero-turn mower. With unmatched quality of cut, ease of operation, and low maintenance, it's no wonder why x is the number one choice of landscape professionals. With sizes starting at 42 inches and 0% financing available, we have an x zero-turn for all size lawns. 
Come by my store and see why Frederick's has been leading the way and serving you for 30 years since 1993. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. Are you a hard worker? Are you dependable? Do you have a good attitude? Do you want to be part of a team? If so, the Black Label Bridge Builders at Key Constructors offers lead men and women purpose-driven career opportunities with on-the-job and outside training, leadership development, and benefits. To learn more about what it takes to be a Black Label Bridge Builder, please visit Key's website at keyconstructors.com. Please also follow at Key Constructors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to see regular updates on the Black Label Bridge Builders. Do you find yourself stuck in a timeshare? Get the real facts about the timeshare industry and your options for cancellation. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has put together a free information guide that reveals the secrets the timeshare industry doesn't want you to know, including the five ways to get rid of your timeshare. Call now and get this timeshare cancellation guide absolutely free. Call 800-995-2929. 800-995-2929. 800-995-2929. I noticed mom hasn't been herself lately. She's been forgetful and not remembering to take her medicine. After visiting the orchard, I knew it was perfect. The orchard is Mississippi's premier continuing care retirement community, licensed in Alzheimer's and dementia care for men and women. I know she's in good hands. It's safe, convenient, and most importantly, it feels like home. For that extra peace of mind, call the orchard today for a tour. 601 856 or go to orchardretirement.com. Attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Divorce forces a father to focus on what's most important, his children. You may no longer be a husband, but you'll always be a dad. In the divorce process, this comes down to three key concerns, physical custody, decision-making, as well as financial support. Each of these is important, and it's important that you choose a lawyer that cares as much about these issues as you do. Online at CordellCordell.com. Office in Richland, Mississippi. Free background information available upon request. Joseph Cordell, licensed in Missouri and Illinois only. into weekend gardening you know um there are so many people studying so many things and if you make a list of the ones that you're interested in you may or may not find out that there are lots of other people that are trying to figure that out too that's one reason why we have libraries it's another reason why we have magnificent um, search engines in our lives now but i've always wondered if there was a term for the ability to speak clearly and fluently in English, to be able to talk so that somebody else understands you. So that when, it's a feeling that I get when you, somebody talks to me and I actually know what they're talking about. Doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes it does. 
I found the word, and it's oracy. It's not even a new word. You know, like literacy, only it's oracy. I had no idea. And I'm really excited to tell you that it's a word. There, It's something I think I'm, I, I would have had to invent if it hadn't already been invented, but I'm not that clever. It is the ability to express oneself fluently and grammatically in speech. So when people talk to you and they don't make any sense, you can now say they lack oracy. You don't have to say other things that you might be thinking. You can just say, gosh, they need to work on their oracy a little bit. Maybe I'd understand what they're talking about. I do understand this, and I hope you do, too. Now is not the time to prune fruit trees. People will say at this point in the year, in fact, someone at, at the grocery store last week said, my my limbs are all hanging off, you know, falling down. What am I going to do? And, of course, you have to prop them up until the fruit matures so that they don't break. And, yeah, if they break, you have to trim it up and, and neaten it. But hopefully that's not going to happen. The pruning needs to take place in the winter time, And when you do that correctly – the tree is strong enough to hold all of its fruit, okay? Well, the other end of that, of course, is that if you have summertime problems, you need to do the pruning, and it's an unfortunate kind of pruning. What I'm talking to you about, of course, is fire blight. Fire blight gets on a lot of peaches particularly, but 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 pears as well, sometimes any number of other things, pyracanthas. I mean, there's a bunch of plants that are susceptible to this thing. It It is a bacterial problem. It's not a fungus, so you can't actually spray for it when it happens. If you are going to have a treatment for it, it has to take place at the earliest part of the season as a preventative or a suppressive, and it costs a lot. So you may not want to do that. What you have to understand, though, is that you're not even going to know you have it until after you know a day or two of looking at the tree and thinking that looks funny the whole thing turns black and one entire branch will look as if somebody set it on fire they didn't but the fire blight is named for that because it makes it look as if it has been torched now there's not any way to cure it so if your fruit tree is doing that you do have to cut it off and what you have to cut it off with of course is part of the trunk that is still healthy or branch that is still healthy if you have um, a, a problem doing that, you may as well take the tree out because you're going to lose it. But if you can stop the fire blight, it will be because you went about six inches behind where the damage is, cut that thing off, treated your brand, your, your pruner and whatnot with, with bleach, and then made the next cut and get all of that out of there. Don't leave it anywhere near your plants, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's going to continue to grow. It is insidious. But it's really the only pruning to be done on fruit trees at this point unless unfortunately one of your branches does break in that case i hope that you'll be able to prop up the rest of it but you will need to do a little bit of neat trimming just to keep it from getting for example when we have a cut if it's a slick cut on a branch it'll shed water it 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 won't gather other creatures as much but if you have something that's ragged that's an awful lot of other places for what they call the secondary insects in other words the ones that are just looking for a handy way to get inside your plant (laughs) and they'll find their way there so give it a nice clean edge and try to keep it so that it will slant away from where the water is falling so it falls away from the center of the tree I know that doesn't seem really smart when I talk about Phoenix being that many that that much heat. They probably do need some water falling into their trees. We can't help them. Here in the deep south, we're always trying to keep water away from the center of plants. It'll it'll 
it, literally you'll float. Things will, things will, crowns of perennials will just fall, come up out of the ground and drive you crazy. Speaking of driving me crazy, the gripe weed is driving me crazy. Everybody who writes about it, who talks to me about it, good grief, don't show me a picture because it's, it's really terrible. I, I have to tell you though, it, it is controllable. And I've got it down. It, it I've got it down to where it kind of it's on the edges of a couple of beds, and and it just I can't get it out of there. I've dug the soil out, and I've I've done all I can. But obviously, there's still seeds in there from whenever, and they're going to continue to come up. But if you keep after it, you can get that stuff under control. It has. I, I, last time I talked about it, I got an email from someone who said, you know, in in South America, that is it, people eat that plant and it's treasured. And I said, and we don't. So that's what I want to tell you. Here, here's here's my other point of view about it. This is a spurge. That means it's related to the spurge that crawls across the cement and it comes out of your lawn and crawls across the cement because it's so drought resistant. And it's also related to poinsettia. So it's going to have that same kind of sticky mess in the stem. So that's another reason that I want you to get rid of it so that it doesn't irritate your fingers or somebody else's. Um, there's dermatitis is one of those things that affects everybody for something, but nobody the same way, I don't think. So be careful. Let's see what's going on in, in Oxford. <laughs> Can a pear tree outlive fire blight or is it long-term death? I have a few that get it every year. I trim them and it seems to come back the following year. Yes, it, it will come back. And if your trees are bearing and you're managing it, my hat is off to you. It's not impossible. But if if you're tired of doing that and you don't, it, it will actually, it, it will get worse. Um, unfortunately, fire blight is not curable. It, it, is, it is slightly treatable before it happens when you know you're going to have it. But even that is a very difficult, difficult, difficult situation. And I, I just like that they've survived. It tells me that you're doing the pruning in the right way. But, yeah, some varieties are more susceptible than others, too. That's also true. Oh, good morning, Jeff. Jeff has cascades of tomatoes. Just beautiful. He has a little bit of the blight that I have, too. Pretty zinnias. Gorgeous Rudbeckia. Just lovely. Yep, that's really pretty. You know, one of the things that I always think about when I see um, tomatoes with a little bit of blight on them is I'm I'm always amazed at how much plants can put up with. And in this case, there's just a little bit of browning on the edges of the leaves, and the tomatoes are fine, okay? He's not going to want to keep these for the fall crop more than unless he – let me take that back. He's probably not going to want to keep these for the fall crop. After you pick all the tomatoes, though, you could cut them back to a foot or so off the ground if all those leaves are healthy and let them grow back. But it's the point of keeping the tomatoes through the summer is to make sure that we've got healthy leaves so that they can bloom and then they can turn right around and make some gorgeous tomatoes as soon as the temperatures allow for that. If you're seeing that on your tomato plants, the browning, the mm-hmm. yellowing, mm-hmm. is it best if you cut them off? It, I cut it off, but yeah. it comes right back. It'll it's a problem. It's a variety problem more often than anything else. But we have had the ideal kind of weather. For, and I'm getting it in the it. middle, you know, not at the top, not mm-hmm. at the bottom, but I'm mm-hmm. getting it in the middle here selectively. Yeah. 
differently on whether the hanging one or those seven foot Goliath. <laughs> you know, it's like right in the middle. Yeah. And I've been trying to. And delic- some of it's poor air circulation in the okay. middle. So just pluck those off or cl- clip them off. The the thing that'll happen is you'll go to cut it with your thumbnail or something, and then you end up peeling the skin off of the stem. Don't do that. <laughs> Use a clipper and get in there and cut it off. Those are gorgeous, though, Jeff. I love it. Just really looks beautiful. Wonderful tomatoes. Oh, let me see. Now, Mary's got a problem with her drift roses. Oh, I see. Okay. Mary, this is not uncommon. And it is a virus, but it's it's a superficial problem in, I would say, 90 out of 100 cases. I'm going to tell you to prune these things heavy. Like, take them down to, if they're two feet tall, take them down to a foot or a little bit less. And let's basically don't fertilize them for a minute. Keep the mulch around them, keep them watered, and let's see if the new growth can be clean. That, that's really the best thing to do. Drift roses don't have this problem very often, but roses in general can put out a flush of crummy growth at any time. And usually the best way to attract, attack it is just to cut it off and see what happens next. If we have a bigger problem, then we have a bigger problem. But right now, we don't. Um, that it's you know, And I know you're fertilizing. I know you're watering because I know you're a good gardener. And they'll they'll be they'll be all right. They just may not look too good for a little while. Just fertilize them. That's good. Go ahead and cut them. They'll be able to use that fertilizer. If you're having you know if you've taken geraniums and probably gotten uh, you know hundreds of blooms off of them already, there's I have some that are starting to get a little straggly looking. Mm-hmm. I tried to give them a little fertilizer. Tried to put a little of the Miracle mm-hmm. Grow with the the worm dirt and all that in there. And some seem to be. Um, if I'm taking them out of the direct sun, they, they seem to be doing okay. But with the geraniums, after they get a little spinely, you know, and, and don't look good, is it best to get them in the shade a little bit? Or, yes. Okay. Because I think that was going to be my question. They seem to be not doing as well in the sun, and then that might be my problem. Well, the sun and the heat are the problems for them in the summer. Geranium is the number one Mother's Day flower. And the reason for that is because in – 75% of the United States, they're beautiful, you know, all the way to Labor Day. But the rest of us have to enjoy them in the in the earlier spring and then again in the fall. And if you can just keep the containers in the shade, don't, you know, if, if for example, if it's going to rain for three days in a row, put them under something. They don't need to be overwatered. That's another problem that they'll have because it'll bring on leaf diseases. But if you can just leave them in a little bit of shade for two months, and keep them watered a little bit, keep them fertilized a little bit, they'll start right back up in the springtime. It's just, I mean, in the fall, it's just too, it's too hot, it's too humid, and we don't have enough um, enough up and down. Our temperatures tend to be too too much in the same vein for geraniums in the summertime. And then you switch over to the roses, and I pruned and, you know, deadheaded everything a couple of weeks ago, and man, it is, they're amazing right Changes, now. Changes, it? It really just uh, brightened up everything. The rust color, uh, the purplish leaves, they, they took over, and now I've got, you know, six-inch beautiful roses that's wonderful. everywhere so it didn't take any time at that's all wonderful. It so i wanted to report on that it was about eight plants too that had varying degrees yes. of good looks and bad stuff and did exactly what you said and uh man they have come Thank back you. with a veracity it's a roses respond better than we think they do we, we're because they're so lovely we tend to think they, that they obviously must be hard to deal with they're not but they do need a little bit more attention than sometimes we're willing to give them i uh, found myself realizing that because my 
hydrangea froze, which is next to my rose bushes. It's now grown back and is encroaching, so I'm going to have to make a decision. i got to move something. Well, it's going to be the hydrangea because <laughs> the roses are more precious to me, and they don't like that either. You know? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> These are beautiful. That's in Pascagoula. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Look at that thing. Oh, my goodness. It, and you're right, it does belong in the Dr. Seuss garden. Thank you for bringing that up. I love plants that don't look like they could exist. This is a magnificent century plant, and there there's two blooming together in Pascagoula Moss Point. And that's that's rare. You're rare. You're right. You'll see one in a neighborhood, and, and then you don't see <laughs> then you don't see them again. That's gorgeous. I do love century plants, and I'm almost patient enough for them. So that's kind of cool. Jeff's in Grenada today with a question about Cherokee purples. Well, um, this is a good, this is absolutely the truth. Jeff says, I generally am not a huge fan of tomatoes, but I can eat a Cherokee raw, as a, in his, so he says his, for example, as opposed to a celebrity. He doesn't care for that. Well, here's the thing. They're not all the same. And sometimes it's the texture, sometimes it's the sweetness level, sometimes it's, as they say, the bite of the tomato, which is not actually the same thing as the texture. It's the first impression that you have of it when you bite into it. And there's so many choices around tomatoes. There's high acid, low acid, you know, everybody, there's, but everybody does have one. And I think perhaps when it comes to something like Cherokee Purple, which I also am crazy about myself, but I am a tomato fan. So what I think, what I like about it is that it's a very sweet, rich taste. And it does have good bite to it. In, in addition, it slices well and all that. But it just has a deeper, rich taste, which you would expect from something that's dark colored. That brings us to the studies you know we, that they do out there. And I report here every now and then about how the color of the food makes a difference. Everybody thought white peaches were going to be a great thing. Not so much. Good peaches. But they don't look like you expect, so you don't necessarily want it. Think about that, and think about this. we got to get right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Doghouse Living. We're talking with Bob and his wife, Jenny. Now, have you furnished your doghouse yet? Well, actually, sleeping bags work well. But the dog takes up most of the space. Well, at least he doesn't snore as loud as you. Sounds rough. Folks, stay out of the doghouse. Call 811 before you dig. Let's make our goal zero damages, zero injuries. 
You know that nowadays, most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money. A lot of businesses are losing opportunities to get new customers if they're not online. With the power of Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referral and repeat business. The highly trained and trusted team at Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com. It's been said that time waits for no one, but that's not completely true. Hi, I'm Cameron Aubrey. Since 1920, our family has been privileged to serve as Mississippi's foremost diamond merchant. For decades, generations have trusted all Britons for engagement rings, anniversaries, and those special events in life. Time has certainly changed our world. The Internet, smartphones, and social media have revolutionized how we research, communicate, and even shop. At All Britons, we've grown with you. At AllBritons.com, you can search, shop, and find the latest in fine jewelry. But for those who prefer the personal experience, you can now shop the all-new Albritton's 4460 Old Canton Road in Northeast Jackson. With new displays and the latest designer jewelry, we're located across from our old home in Highland Village. Still the same Albritton service you'd expect, but now bigger and better. You've waited for us, now we're ready for you. Come see what's new. Albritton's 4460 Old Canton Road in Jackson. At Albritton's, Albritton's Jewelers. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Celebrating our 40th anniversary at Cock of the Walk. Voted the best catfish in Mississippi with our grilled or fried catfish along with greens, coleslaw, and a skillet of our homemade cornbread. With locations on the Reservoir, Pocahontas, and one mile from the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee. Catfish, hush puppies, and fried dill pickles. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. I like chicken. I like fish. I like hush puppies. I love it. Catfish is excellent. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Dream Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? Dream. <sighs> The new degree of comfort. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. On your mark. Get set. Welcome to Trust Care. When time's not on your side and you just want to feel healthy, trust our highly trained staff to serve your urgent, primary, and kids' care needs all under one roof. Just walk in, get great care, and feel better faster. Get care at the speed of you. Visit Trust Care, open late and on weekends too. Feel better faster. Trust Care.
Yes, indeed. That sounds like lunch to me. I don't know. I have a feeling if we were at Trey's house, we'd be having butter beans and tomatoes. This is a tomato, y'all. He's just showing off, and I like it. I got to tell you. This tomato's as big as a $5 bill. This tomato is bigger than the bread you're going to slice it to put on. Oh, my goodness. Trey, you too much. That's wonderful. This is also beautiful. Mary's got her Confederate rose blooming. She says it's blooming a little early this year, and it's beautiful. It's a double pink. I love how they look so much like paper. They're they're just so perfect in terms of the way those flowers are constructed. I have some friends who live in Portugal, and there's a festival there right at this particular time where the the village people where they live make lots and lots of paper flowers. I mean, I mean lots and lots and lots of paper flowers to decorate with and they're just beautiful they look like this they're just this perfect this this one of course is natural and which makes it even better um please say hello she says that she's uh i'm telling her that she didn't ask me this i'm telling her to um say hello to her 92 year old mother who likes these flowers that's great thank you for showing them to me and let's see now ej's in man tea with some blueberries that were transplanted in march they didn't get any water in June. Now they look kind of poorly, almost dead. Should I prune them back? I would prune them back, but I would be very careful about it. For example, if you've, if you've transplanted things that are 18 inches or 2 feet tall, I'm only going to take off anything that's really, really dead or a couple of 3 inches on the top. What we want to try to do is encourage them to grow the rest of this summer. And if we can do that, they'll be fine. If we can't get them to kick off and get going this summer, it's going to be a kind of long year next year to try and get them to do that. So go ahead and prune them back a little bit. They've been through some stress, but blueberries are tougher than we might give them credit for. So let's get let's give them a little bit more time. I wouldn't give up yet. Okay? Okay. Let's see. Who's up here? Oh, Ed and Ovette. Good morning. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Thank you for calling. Uh, yes, ma'am. My name is uh, Ed from Ovet. Mm-hmm. I got about uh, three quarters of an acre of garden. We donate about half of it to a low-income elderly here in the little town of Pedal, Mississippi. 118 tomato plants, got planter boxes, corn, the whole nine deal. Uh, a lot of fruit trees, but I got a question, actually two questions. My pomegranates, they'll come on, they'll bloom, they'll start closing. I think I'm going to have 30 or 40 pomegranates, then they just fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my next question is determinate and indeterminate tomatoes. How do I figure out what's what? Because I want to separate them. Okay. And a statement I'd like to make is I put uh, 20 of these, uh, like, two-inch cherry tomatoes called Juliet's. Mm-hmm. I have yellow and red. Mm-hmm. Let everybody know those are the best cherry tomatoes you've eaten in Aren't they great? Yeah. I love Juliet. Wonderful yes, tomato. Ma'am. Thank you for endorsing that one because I really like it, too. It's easy to grow. It grows in the heat, too. That's another thing about Juliet. I've planted that one in July. (laughs) You're right. You're right. How many pomegranates do you have? Uh, I have two pomegranate trees, probably about eight, nine foot tall, within 10 feet of each other. And like I said, they bloom Mm -hmm. blooms everywhere. They'll close up, then they fall off. How old are they, the trees? Uh, Four years old. You're right. You are on time. It takes five to seven years for pomegranates to start producing. And the fact that you're able to get them to get started makes me so jealous, I can't even tell you. 
I, I I ended up going out and cussing at my pomegranate trees because they wouldn't. And after ten years, I cut them down. I was so mad. <laughs> so, Why do they come out, make the blooms, close up, and fall off? Yeah, I don't understand. The, the pollination process doesn't get finished, and the tree's just not okay. quite old enough to sustain all of that yet. But it, they will be. They will be. Okay. Now, now the tomatoes. The, how do I figure out Usually, the determinant versus indeterminate is a quality that you should be able to tell from the name of the variety of the tomato. For example, celebrity is is determinate. It's not ever going to be taller than about four feet tall, maybe five. Yep. But and, right. and, and so many others, almost all the cherry tomatoes are indeterminate. The rest of them are somewhere, right. in, somewhere in between. You just have to look up the variety that you have. Okay. A little funny story here. I thought I was getting off. Uh, a tray of uh, tomatoes and bell peppers. Let me get a few eggplants. Well, when I got home, I wound up with 37 eggplants. I said, what the heck, I planted them. Wow. I am I am tired of eggplant parmesan, fried egg. I give away so many eggplants. I'm just like, and they're still making. I, I picked oh, yeah. a day of these things. This is prime season for those eggplants. That's great, though. You know, I, 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 did, I will confess that I once had so much squash that my neighbors would cross the street you know, before I approached them to give them any more. <laughs> so. now, one, one more question I didn't mention. I, I had, I, I cut them down. I tried to do black olives and the trees uh, wouldn't grow. I know that I got to do a soil sample and send it off to right, the state. Right. It made a few black olives and then it just, it just stands there. It don't even do nothing. Um, I don't, I know it's in black olive territory, but will they grow around here? We have a fairly thriving olive industry in the southern part of georgia so we're not very you're not very far away from where that can can be grown it's a matter of variety and also a a matter of conditions so yeah get your soil tested first the soil just may be the soil just may be too acid for them i don't know right um i'll plant i got about 15 plants if people are looking for a tomato that's not acidic these plant uh tomatoes called lemon boys Oh, oh yeah, those gosh, are yeah. That's an interesting one, isn't it? If you told, oh, if you yes, closed ma'am. your eyes, you might not even know it was a tomato, but it's really tasty. Okay, one more quick question. I'll let you go. This, these old people always told me, don't plant your watermelons next to your cucumbers. Will they cross pollinate, or is that an old wives' tale? They might. They probably won't, they but they might. might. <laughs> okay. It's like anything else. In, in that whole family, the whole cucurbit family, which is they're part of, along with gourds and squashes and all that. They have the capacity to do that, but they don't usually. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Ed. Have a great day. You know, that's a that's one of those things. If you grow enough, you know you want to give it away. So I really appreciate that they're that they're doing that. Um, that's fun. <laughs> well, I'm not sure, Andy, because <laughs> that was um, the Carolina chocolate drops. I don't know why that made you think of something else. Anyway. Let's see. No, I don't know one. Scott in Grenada wants to know if uh, there's a sweet potato that grows on top of the ground, and I don't. I do not know about that. If there is one, y'all tell me because I don't know about it. Laura's in Brandon, also on the text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. She has a huge stand of oak leaf hydrangeas next to the deck and hot tub. She has seen conflicted information. You sure will. You see a lot. They'll tell you everything about those things. Um, The height, but the width is taking over my hot tub. Can I help? If you need to cut a whole branch off because it's going to hang into your hot tub, you can cut that off right now. It's not going to cause a problem. You will probably see a little bit of proliferation where the cut was made next to the trunk, but you need to cut the whole thing off. 
Ordinarily, though, we don't prune oak leaf hydrangeas. We prune oak leaf hydrangeas as little as possible other than to just remove the flowers. But when they do need to be pruned, it's okay to prune them in the summertime if you're taking off a whole branch. Otherwise, you want to do it earlier in the year because they, they can bloom on that year's growth. Beautiful trees, but well, shrubs, trees. Oak leaf hydrangeas are one of those things that we just don't see enough of. So I'm happy to hear that you got them. Wow, fast hour, y'all. Thanks so much. I love being here. I never, ever take it for granted. I talk a lot, uh, mostly for a living, but I can get quiet sometimes, too. I think I'll do that right now. Come back with us. pint of coffee ice cream with dark chocolate flavored chunks and a decadent coffee fudge swirl. It's the jolt you need to perk up your day. The good old days are being made right now. The good old days are being made right now. Look for Bluebell ice cream at your local grocer and pick up your favorite flavor today. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles, with an auto warranty about to expire, or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800 613-7356 now. Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-613-7356. That's 800-613-7356. What do you have to lose? Call 800-613-7356. Again, 800-613-7356. Your home for Ole Miss Sports. WFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. 601-345-8090. I'm Caleb Sailors, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. The family of a man killed during a police pursuit in August of 2022 is now suing the cities of Pearl and Flowood, claiming officers' reckless behavior led to the man's death. Family members of 47-year-old Stephen Pearson say the police chase that led to Pearson's passing was in violation of state law. 
The chase, which started in Pearl, began when police attempted to stop Ryan Irwin for a tent violation. Irwin sped off and officers chased him into Flowood. After a second failed attempt to stop the driver, Flowood police joined in on the pursuit. The chase ended when Irwin struck Pearson's motorcycle. Pearson died shortly after the collision. In addition to the lawsuit, the 47-year-old's family is also seeking $10 million in punitive damages from the two Rankin County cities. With Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Caleb Sailors. We have one voice, the voice of agriculture. We have one job, growing the products you need every day. We have one mission, fighting for agriculture and rural Mississippi. We have you in mind, caring for your private property rights. We are the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, 100 years and counting. Become a member today at msfb.org. Give your customers a whole home energy upgrade. The Propane Energy Pod Builder Incentive Program. What's the Propane Energy Pod? It's a total home energy upgrade that combines high-efficiency propane gas appliances to meet a home's major energy needs and delivers superior comfort and efficiency compared with all electric homes. Not only is it good for homeowners, it's good for builders, too. All propane homes, on average, are valued up to 5% higher than all electric homes. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. The Traintastic Interactive Model Railroad Museum at Gulfport has officially opened its doors, bringing the largest model railroad museum in the world to the Mississippi coast. Wendy Rippey explained that there are numerous interactive layouts throughout the 50,000-square-foot facility. While the model trains is why people initially come, there's so much more than that. Um, We have some amazing layouts of all different scales. We have one really large layout that is... um, that has a lot of landmarks, over 50 landmarks of the Gulf Coast here. So, and it's interactive, it's really cool. You press buttons like, for example, the aquariums on there and you press a button and a dolphin will jump. The museum has other features that kids of all ages can enjoy. We also have um, a large climber that includes slides, um, an an indoor riding train for um, toddlers and then outdoor riding train for all ages, two different outdoor riding trains. Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. The Major League Baseball draft gets underway tomorrow and runs through Tuesday. Several Mississippi players could hear their names picked in the draft. Ole Miss shortstop Jacob Gonzalez, Mississippi State outfitter Colton Ledbetter, Ole Miss outfitter Kemp Alderman, Southern Miss pitcher Tanner Hall, Ole Miss catcher Calvin Harris, and there are two or three commitments. Also could hear their names picked. Magnolia Heights shortstop Cooper Pratt, an Ole Miss commitment. Also, Oxford High School shortstop Campbell Smithwick, Ole Miss commitment, could hear his name. And Colin Howe, out of Parkview High School in Georgia, and Mississippi State commitment, could also hear his name picked in the draft. Of course, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens of LSU are the projections for number one and number two. And never before in draft history have two teammates been selected number one and number two in the Major League Draft. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. 
ever feel like you are in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators assure you will always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat, and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Propane. Clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com today. You know that nowadays, most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money. Are customers able to find you online? With the power of Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referral and repeat business. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted staff is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. The Major League All-Star break gets underway on Monday. Of course, the All-Star game is Tuesday night in Seattle. 7 o'clock is the first pitch schedule for the 2023 All-Star game. The National League has lost nine years in a row to the American League. They hope to break that streak on Tuesday. Of course, the American League looks to continue that to a 10-game winning streak in the All-Star game. The National League is managed by Rob Thompson of the Phillies. And the American League All-Stars are managed by Dusty Baker of the Astros. And making the American League reserves list, Brent Rooker out of Mississippi State made it from the A's as a designated hitter. Of course, there are no Mississippi players among the starters for the National League or the American League starters as well. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mama's on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Yeah, she calls everybody baby. That's uh, one of those habits I used to try to break, but I don't anymore. There, there you have it. Today's word, this particular hour, the word is petrichlor. Ah. <sighs> You know that smell, that wonderful smell. It's rained, and you go out, and it's a, it's, there's dry, warm weather, and then it rains, and then you go out a little while later, and there's this magnificent, it just doesn't even look like it's rained at all, but it smells wonderful. Well, that's petrichlor, and it comes from the idea that these were originally thought about in in um, s- sort of chalky soil. So, th- so that's the word is stone, petra, for, and chlor, ichor is uh, of course the the uh, the notion of the intrinsic inside source, and that's what that's all about. It's petrichlor, petrichor. Excuse me, I can't talk today. Well, I can, but I'm saying things the wrong way. Petrichor, if you want to look that one up. We add that to our list of oracy. <laughs> really, really good question about crepe myrtles on the text line. You can join us there, of course, thanks to C Spire 601-879-4395 and the Super Talk call line, 888-808-8637. Lance will be more than happy to talk to you there and put you here on the air. And sometimes he'll even speak for you. Once in a while, I uh, don't mind that. It's okay. 
I do, however, want you to tell me who you are when you send in, um, and I believe this must be Eddie, whose question is about the crepe myrtle not flowering. The bark has black streaks on it, and it is peeling. What is going on? Okay. First of all, some crepe myrtles peel naturally, and it's considered a feature, not a bug. Okay. So if you're growing, for example, the great, big, tall, white, flowered crepe myrtle natches, when the tree gets mature, that bark will that bark will peel, and it's delightful to, to have it in the garden. But if it's peeling because it's ruptured or is broken, that's a different issue. Um, if you could send me a picture of it, I could probably tell you which, which is happening here. But the black streaks on the bark is another problem, and this is the time of year when we begin to look again for crepe myrtle bark scale. When the, the bark gets black, the whole thing, it looks like it has sooty mold on it, except it's not on the leaves. Well, it might be on the leaves, too, but it's on the trunk and the branches. And then, you know, just a little while later, you begin to see, unfortunately, the the, the fluffy stuff, <laughs> the things that look like cotton that come out of that space that are actually the critter's nests. Um, if that's the case, you have a bigger problem on your hands than any other crepe myrtle problem at this particular time in history. So I suggest that you go to msucares.com. That is the website of the Mississippi State University Cooperative Extension. Search up crepe myrtle bark scale, and you'll find a terrific set of articles from Dr. Blake Layton to explain to you what the problem is, how to identify it, and also what you have. It's something you really have to do. You have to see it. And if if you send me some pictures, that's great, but you may just want to go over and search up Dr. Layton's stuff. If it looks like that, you'll know. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Ashley says, Ashley, this is a good question. Probably shouldn't answer it. What is the most difficult plant you have ever tried to grow? Uh, the ones that I can't grow are the ones that are the most difficult for me. But I will tell you that probably the, the most frustrating for me ever was I'm, 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 I'm crazy for gloxinias and African violets and that whole bunch of syningias. They're beautiful. I've tried for at least a year to root a gloxinia from a leaf, which is entirely possible. It's how they're propagated. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I also tried to grow cactus from seed once. That didn't work. There are a lot of things. That I, I try everything that I'm interested in. So I've had better success with some things than others, but those were particularly frustrating. And I do really, really like gloxinias. I think they're just beautiful. Those big velvety trumpets, you know, and the leaves are, you know, huge, just gorgeous things. Beautiful things. Dwayne from Madison asks, can you plant new tomato plants for a fall crop? If so, when? Yes, you could start seed right now, or you could begin shopping the garden centers and the plant racks, and when the tomatoes are there, they're, they're, they're ready to plant. We, we start them again in July and take really good care of them so that we can have healthy, happy plants, nice, big, fertilized, ready-to-go plants. As soon as the nights get below about 70 degrees for maybe a, a week, they'll begin to set fruit. So go ahead and get those. You can either start seeds now or you can begin looking for plants. Either one will work at this particular point in time. That's nice. Thank you, Dwayne. That's a good question. Um, Is that my question? I don't know about that. (laughs) Okay, we don't know about that one. All right. It's not just me. Well, I didn't even know this went on, and yet it does. We're going to talk a little bit about photosynthetic light harvesting. 
Wouldn't you think that would be important? Tell me about this phone call that we either do or don't have. I saw him come and go. Is he back? Oh, okay, great. Hey, Bill. Welcome in from Pisgah. Tell me what's going on. Hey, Bill. Hey. Hey, Miss Nelly. Look, here's what I've got going on. I have two plum tomato plants on my back porch. They've started out beautiful plants. Here in the last couple of weeks, though, I'm noticing it almost looks like something's rubbing the bark off the stems. I don't know if that's too much heat, too much water with these afternoon showers, or what's going on. The, the, the stems the leaves are even kind of shriveled. Okay. The the shri- if nothing's running into the plant physically, okay. In other words, you don't have dogs that lie on the on the plants or anything like that. Cats, deer, any no. of that. It, it, given because it could be physical damage, I have seen that. Um, the chances are good that you've got there's too much water in there because of these continuous afternoon rains, and you, you're okay. seeing a little bit of a problem from that. What I would suggest doing, <clears throat> excuse me, is are they in containers or in the ground? In containers, two okay. wood pots. Okay, if you can possibly move those things so they get a little bit less direct rain. That is to say, you can put some mulch in the top of the pot. That will help with it. Or you can physically move the pots if that's necessary to, to do that. But I think you need to help them dry out a little bit. I like Lance's idea of taking a, a bamboo stake and poking into the wet soil to let a little more air in around the roots. And that may that may help as well. Okay. If you don't so see I'm if you don't see any careful. if you don't see any insects, you don't see any leaf spot. You just see some shriveling. I think we're looking at a water problem. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll back off. Because I've been watering them practically every day with, with this extreme heat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it may be just getting too much. Well, and I'd, I'd made the mistake of watering mine, and then it rained about an inch at my house. So I'm pretty sure that day mine got too much. <laughs> and they did. That, that, that yeah. was immediately when I started having yellowing and, and problems on some of my leaves. So I know I overwatered them. But not by myself. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Miss Nelly. Thank you, Bill. Have a great day. We just love our tomatoes. Those of us who do, I know some of y'all don't, but those of us who do. Well, and Bill and I, we were laughing. I, I was having the same issue on uh, both of mine. I was having a little bit of a, it looked like it was rubbing against, mm-hmm. you know, some of the trellis or whatever mm-hmm. that was holding up, but that was not the case. And so I think it's exactly what you said. I was doing almost exactly what Bill was doing, giving it a good water earlier in the day. And then all of a sudden you would have a, you know, a gully mm-hmm. washer come mm-hmm. through. And I've noticed that over the last week, week and a half, a little peeling on the stem. Yes. And they just rupture. It just, you know? is that way? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, I was like, man, I'm glad you called on that because. They rupture. Now, I will tell you this. I have, um, I have an old piece of metal fencing that one of my tomatoes is hooked to. And the reason why we wrap around the stem first and then to the metal support is so that that metal doesn't attach itself <laughs> to the stem of the plant. But I noticed that one of the storms and the wind from the storms the other day pushed one of mine into it, and it literally has a gash in it. Well, I, um, I, I'm a banana. I love a good banana, and I always, you know, like throwing the uh, the peel somewhere mm-hmm. where it's useful. But I had a, I had some kind of green ones, and I couldn't eat them. <laughs> I bit in, and it was the chalkiest thing I've ever eaten. Oh. So I said, "Oh man." So I just took the uh, the peel and I took my scissors and I made some straps out of banana peel and used 
Why them not? for my tomato plant. And they work great. You'd be amazed. Why I mean, not? They're two months old, and that banana has held on. You it's can like see a, how that banana got from South America to here in a boat, because that skin is pretty tough stuff. It, it really is. We don't. We don't use things like that often enough, so I'm, I'm sorry it was an unedible one, but I'm glad that you had a chance to use a little other part of it. That's kind of fun. Uh, speaking of strong, my goodness, somebody um, asked me about crinums the other week, a couple of weeks ago, and I said, well, if you're going to dig them up, you're going to need a bigger shovel. Well, no matter how big your shovel is, you're going to need a bigger one because they are the largest bulbs that you're likely to plant in in. In, in current time, and if you're trying to move them, because, you know, maybe they bloomed in June, a lot of them do, and you're ready to dig them up and divide them or move them or share them with somebody, it's very difficult to do that without damaging the bulb, and it, is, it makes the case for digging up that entire clump. But i got to tell you, crinums make such a statement, and they are so beautiful. I, I think... Of the of the true bulbs, the the bulbs that have all the flower parts inside that little bulb, I think they might be my favorite. And I'm I don't I don't even have anywhere to put them. They're so big in some cases, but the the flowers and things when you see them, you you know that you found another friend. It's like every it's like all the flowers you liked only a little bit larger, which is kind of fun. Kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know what that question. Here's another question. Let's try a different question. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. <laughs> Night Blooming Sirius is going to eat Brenda's house. So y'all just prepare yourselves. If you're her neighbors, it's coming. It's coming to get you. That's gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. Mm, uh, mm, no, I don't. She, she's thinking about digging a hole and planting it because it will kill most of it back. It will kill all of it back. So don't do that. Um, I had to. I, I can tell you honestly, I'm on the same basic weather that you are, and I had to leave one that wouldn't fit somewhere, and it ended up not getting picked up and taken where it was supposed to go. And yes, it died. It was in. It's in. in even in a container in the ground, it was very safely placed there, and it never came back. So it's a tropical plant, and if you if you have to worry about it too much. And that you're not going to be able to get it back in the house, my answer would be to start propagating it. Just start cutting the leaves back now so that it becomes a smaller plant and you have flats full of it planted to propagate because you can propagate all of those leaves. But that's just a gorgeous plant. I suggest a new house. I don't know what to tell you. It's really, it's really pretty, <laughs> really gorgeous. Mine, I have one that it, it looks like it's about to reach out and wrap its arm around the other plants next to it, but it's not as pretty as this. Nowhere, nowhere is pretty. Let's see. Scott's in Clinton. Hey, Scott. Some tips for drying and storing sunflower seeds. Oh, yeah, we were we were into that in the first hour today, and it's a good thing to, to come back to because a lot of people are looking at that. If you have mammoth or, or gray mammoth is one of the popular ones, gigantic sunflowers, those are the ones that we think of in terms of saving seeds to eat. And you can either put a bag on it, in the garden, or if you're getting a lot of rain, as most of us are, you may want to go ahead. Once it begins to make seed, you know, because the flower will be there, and then the seed will start to pop out of the middle of it. And once it begins to make seed, you can cut it long stem, hang it upside down with something underneath it, either in a bag or upside down so that it can drop its seeds into something. And they'll, it'll mature that way if you put it in a dry place that is not air-conditioned. 
Okay. And and obviously you don't want to put it in the sun. You want to put it in a dry, dark place. Not dark, but not out in the sun. Okay. That's really the best thing to do. Then when you get all those seeds, you're going to shake them. Basically, you're going to thresh a little bit because they are going to have some other plant material attached to them. And you're going to use your hands because these seeds are big enough to do that and just rub them together so that you get that other, get the chaff off and just have the seeds to store. Put the seeds in an envelope, put them in a drawer. You can keep them. They'll be fine. You can also roast them if you prefer and, and eat them. But if you want to keep them to plant, put them in a drawer. Now, If you have a variety that is, say, like teddy bear or one of the other sunflower varieties that is a small plant that makes lots of flowers on it, you may or may not get the same sunflower from that one. So I suggest propagating those with cuttings if you want to try to keep them or try to make more of them. They're they're hybrids, and they will not necessarily come true. The gray mammoth and the other single-source sunflowers, no problem. You can save those seeds probably for several years, but... Be sure you put them somewhere that they're not going to be attacked by anything. That is to say, your children or anybody. Muscadines. Oh my goodness. Well, let's see, Jill. Um, most of the time, when we see this kind of lacy problem, we're looking at what's called skeletonizing insects. And there, you you would see them more often, perhaps um, on a hibiscus, where the the plant, the, the leaf is still there, but everything's eaten out of it, and so you have only the veins left, and there that's the skeleton. So that's what it's left, and that's why they're called skeletonizing insects. I would begin to look for them because they're little beetles. They're probably in there, and you can. Sometimes when we are dealing with beetles, like for example, Mexican bean beetles in in snap beans we can put a newspaper or a white sheet along the area next to the plants and early in the morning go out and just shake the plants and a whole bunch of those sleeping beetles will fall right into that sheet okay so you can do that you can also spray with a a control product for the once you identify what you actually have so i suggest go out and look for some shake a few branches see if you can get some bugs to fall off and see what you've got then you'll be able to get a better suggestion. I can give you a better suggestion at that point for what to do. It's probably going to be something you can handle with spinosad, but I don't want to say that without knowing what I'm talking about. So let me see what it is. Okay? Okay. Oh, this is good. Um, what's a good fall tomato plant? Summer varieties get sun scald, and, yeah, they have halo cracks. That's true for the fall crop. That um, Trey's already planning ahead, as usual. I really like the – I like – Hawaiian N65, I like. Solar Set, I like. There, there's a bunch of them that have names that sound like really hot weather. And I have had real good success with them, but particularly with Solar Set and the Hawaiian N65. Okay, take a look. See if you can't find those. You can always buy some seeds and start the seeds right now and have plenty of time to get them in the ground. Not a problem. We will say good morning to our friends. Welcome back, Tupelo. Good to hear from y'all today. Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening. Drop it, smack dab in the middle of the deep blue sea because...
Your taste buds with Bluebell Java Jolt, a delicious pint of coffee ice cream with dark chocolate flavored chunks and a decadent coffee foot swirl. It's the jolt you need to perk up your day. The good old days are being made right Look for Bluebell ice cream at your local grocer and pick up your favorite flavor today. I'm David Frederick, owner of Frederick Sales and Service in Brandon. I'm here to tell you that springtime is the best time to buy a new X-Barn zero-turn mower. With unmatched quality of cut, ease of operation, and low maintenance, it's no wonder why x is the number one choice of landscape professionals. With sizes starting at 42 inches and 0% financing available, we have an x zero-turn for all size lawns. Come by my store and see why Frederick's has been leading the way and serving you for 30 years since 1993. Here at the Almond Joy Factory, where tropical vibes abound, we use soft, fresh-tasting coconut. The crunchiest almonds and delicious chocolate candy. Ah, but do you know what our most important ingredient is? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts and something even way better than that. Yes, Almond Joy is made with almonds and joy. If recent hailstorms have invited lurk the leak into your home, call the experts at Watkins Construction and Roofing to find out what is lurking in your roof. Our rapid response roof team will be on top of your roof as soon as the next business day with a complimentary, honest assessment of your roof's condition and offer solutions to keep your home and family safe. Say goodbye, lurk the leak. Call Watkins Construction and Roofing today at 601-966-8233 or visit losetheleak.com. What do you have to lose but your leak? For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, this is Keenan Thompson. I have a problem with you. Yes, you. None of y'all told me that Auto Trader has millions of new and used cars that I can shop from home. I thought we were friends. I put smiles on your face, but I'm not smiling. No one told me that with Auto Trader, a dealer can deliver cars to my home or that I could shop by price on Auto Trader. No one. Consider this friendship that you just learned we had officially over. Finally, it's easy. Auto Trader. I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. Why are we on this planet? Did God create us just to work the 9 to 5 grind and crash for the weekend? No. Our Creator wants to use us, you and me, to give back to others. You can be a part of God's bringing restoration to a fallen world by donating or volunteering, or both, at Gateway Rescue Mission right here in Jackson. Check us out at gatewaymission.org. Tell 
That's why you need to be a gardener. Uh, everything changes when you become a gardener. Perspective. You, you get up in the morning thinking, did I water those plants? Did it rain last night? Can I pick something? Can I take this flower? Am I going to be able to get this thing, you know, mulch? How, how, whatever it is we're doing, you don't have to worry about not having anything to think about. One of my very favorite expressions is that boredom is the province of an unimaginative mind. And indeed, if you can think of it to do, then you're probably not going to be bored because <laughs> you're in the middle of it. <laughs> hey, and, and gardening is a, um, a a lesson in humility and humbling, and, <laughs> you know, praying. Yes. You know, if yes. you, I, looking at my tomatoes this you know this week, I, I you know I've I've talked so nicely to them, I've bragged. They broke on his them, heart, y'all. And, you know, and those, and I was so looking forward to even picking them a little early sure. and frying some sure. green tomatoes. After having you know a, a slab of bacon and all of that and all BLTs that. all week, I was like, man, I need some fried green tomatoes. <laughs> then I go out there and see that, and it's so humbling. It get you, you know, you go, wow, you know, all this time and all that effort and love, and and you still mess stuff up, and you know, it's the way it is, and it's very humbling. But it, it makes you do you, have to make something of it. You, you have you to figure to. out, right. you know, you learn something, you do something. I actually had um, stink bugs devour a cherry tomato plant of mine a couple of years ago, which I didn't really think they could do, but they did. The fruit was all still there, though, and green. It clearly wasn't going to get ripe because there were no leaves left around it. It was just going to get sunburned. I pickled all of them. They were pretty good. I, I don't know that I would do that professionally, but they were pretty good. They allowed me to have those things without... I still cussed the stink bugs, of course, but, you know, that's another thing entirely. We do this because... We're driven to do things for the same reason. There are people who cannot get through the day without a crossword puzzle. There are people who absolutely feel better every time they're able to read another chapter in that great, you know, Tom Clancy book or whoever it is they're reading at the time. I guess it'd have to be Patterson by now. He's got more new books out than anybody. But one of the things that tickles me is how people rate us because we folks who like to do stuff generally don't have a lot of idle time. I remember there used to be scientific studies talking about how all of the basically robotization of the world was going to end up with all of us with all this extra leisure time. That's right on there in the same thing where it said that once we got printers in our house, we would never use as much paper. Well, that's just not true. <laughs> Neither one of those things is true. The University of Arizona, though, and not just because they're suffering from the heat, are telling us in a study that they have finished up in, uh, they did this during COVID-19, but they had also studied it before and a little bit longer. Creative people are less bored. Now, how do we define creative? That is to say people who are able to think of something to do on their own. They do not need, they're not necessarily a self-starter. But they might read about something and say, well, I think I could do that a little differently or I could do that maybe a little bit better. And so they go try to do whatever that is. The study came in to try and understand the difference between the way people think if they are guided by psychology, but if they're only driven by neuroscience. I tend to think the two are really tied up together seriously, but I know there are two different schools of thought about that, and I'm, I'm only in one of them. Less is known about how the thoughts actually arise. Does it come from your own biochemistry, or is it something that you were inspired by from the outside? Don't know, but they're still going to look for it. And what they found is that people who are able to identify as creative, in fact, had less boredom, and they were more engaged 
surprise, with their own thoughts during the pandemic. <laughs> we used to make fun of people and call them navel gazers because all they ever did was, you know, think about what they were doing and where they were going to end up and how things were going to go. But they were always the center of it. And I think maybe that's part of what they're talking about. If you're not listening to yourself, you're probably not listening to anybody else either. But in a time such as COVID, when people couldn't get out and get into get into things with other folks, well, the creative types were all thinking about themselves. That's why all those journals sold out. Not everybody could become a sourdough bread maker, okay? Some people just had to write down everything they thought of. And there's going to be some diaries when we get to the other side of this century, but none of us will believe people still will want to read what you were thinking during the pandemic. Hmm, interesting stuff. Uh-oh, Rhett's in Ridgeland. He's got this. He, his life is like mine, and we know we really are not anything alike. He's much smarter go-getter, doer person than I am. I can't grow a squash to save my life, but I feel like I broke the code on tomatoes. Yes! <laughs> the tomatoes just want to be near him. I think that's a wonderful compliment to the tomatoes and to you, but he doesn't like to eat them. That's probably why they like to hang around, because they know they can hang around. And you'll use them as love tokens to other people, which makes them even more prized. Come on, you know that's true. You know that's true. There's nothing like getting a great tomato or two from a friend. Absolutely. Yeah, they've grown tons of Absolutely. Them. I got a couple this week, and they were beautiful and uh, made great BLTs. See? Uh, cut a couple slices and just eat them by themselves. Exactly. Make a tomato sandwich. Exactly. You know I mean? When you run out of the bacon. The only reason for white bread. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People curse at me. <laughs> Thank you, Rhett. That's very sweet. You know, one of the things that always is amazing is – what can we grow and what can't we grow? I used to be able to grow squash. I used to grow it to sell. Can't grow it to save my life now. I've, I don't even plant any this year. But good news is there's plenty of people growing squash. So that's all right. <laughs> can get by without it. I can go get somebody else. I'm going to the farmer's market this morning, in fact. Now, that's funny. In, in Past Christian today, um, Papa D says that the appropriate equipment for gardening is the ceiling fan on the porch. I think he's got a point there. I think he's got a point. Something else that you may want to consider, if your porch is full of plants that are not so happy right now, you've got Diefenbachias and Dracaenas and things that are tropical that are sitting there in containers and they're just not growing or they're looking kind of puny, when was the last time you fertilized them, first of all? And second of all, did you take the saucer out from underneath them or did you leave it when you brought them out of the house? Please take the saucer out from under them and let water flow through that pot. Then come back and fertilize it. A week from now, you'll be saying, you know, she was right, because that's what we're looking at. When we look at those lower leaves turning yellow in a house plant, we're looking at a need for nitrogen most of the time. Now, these are not plants that are sitting outside in all the water. That's a different issue. But things that have been under that porch enjoying the fan, for example, may need some fertilizer at this point, and you can certainly make sure that they get it, you know. Uh Uh-oh, she's got news for you. Lance, Lisa, and Clara says you never run out of bacon. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) It's a woman after my heart. Now, you know I don't eat bacon but twice a year anymore, but I sure do like it when I run into it. Well, and, you know, it's uh, she's right, though. You've got to think in advance. Keeping ahead for me. In tomato season, you've got to have several slabs of bacon. In the freezer. In the ready to go. That's great. Um, I, you know what? I thought about this. Ashley asked before um, what the 
what the hardest plant that I ever tried to grow was. And it, it is true that cactus from seed drove me around the bend. Gloxinias from leaf cuttings were almost impossible. But there's there's always something else that you want to grow. And it, it it's just absolutely the truth. I wanted, at one point in time, I was determined to grow lettuce through the summer. So I tried to put it in the shade, and I tried to – I've managed, I can grow parsley through the summer, which you really shouldn't be able to do. I manage that. Me and the lettuce are still trying hard to get to know one another <laughs> closer. I can grow it from fall all the way through, but the heat makes it bolt, and no matter how much I move it, I'm going to need one of those water walls <laughs> that you're so into, Lance. Green ice bath. Because <laughs> there, yeah. there we can grow lettuce in the winter – I mean in the summer because it would be plenty, plenty cool for that. That's fun. How much space do you need to grow lettuce? You know, if you're wanting to create enough where you you're gonna you know have lettuce to consume. Obviously, it's gonna that's the negative. You know, it, it's gonna spoil if you don't eat it. So, mm-hmm. do you stagger when you plant in time so that yes. you, you hope you're kind of getting like a bond ladder? You know, it's maturing at the right time for you. I, I, yes, I, I like. Um, for example, if I go and there's a six pack of lettuce that looks good, if it's overgrown, I may take it home and eat it, but I probably won't plant it. Okay, but if it's a six pack of lettuce and the plants are a couple of inches tall, I like nothing better in September and then maybe even again in October to plant those and at the same time plant seed. So you've got ones that are going to be ready in about three weeks and then you've got other ones that are going to come along behind it. And you can just keep doing that through through the season. If you're growing commercially, that's really what you have to do. If you're a truck farmer, you know, you're going to try to bring things to market. Because if you've got beautiful lettuce this week and none next week, people are going to be upset. Because when they're looking for good lettuce, they're looking for it. So, yes, staggered planting. It's the same thing as we do with the cut flowers. Right now you can plant the zinnias and the marigolds and all those things. But you can also plant them next week. And you can also plant them the next week. And they'll get ready just a little bit later on as we move towards fall. Not bad at all. <laughs> no, Rhett, I don't. I try to honestly. He tried to grow cactus from C two. I honestly don't know what I did wrong. I, I had sandy mix. I had an indoor light situation. I had bottom watering. I had everything that the people that taught me how to do it had killed every one of them. <laughs> I don't know. Now, see, he's going to probably figure it out, and then I'll have to learn something. But that's kind of what the fun is: learn something new every day. Every single day. Ooh, I have something else I needed to to remember to tell you about. I have, in digging the beans and whatnot into the soil, yes, it's okay to compost them first, but you don't have to. That was the question that someone asked me, and I said, you know, I don't know if I said that. I think I better talk about that. We don't necessarily want the beans to go ahead and compost because, frankly, we want that nitrogen to compost right out into the soil where we're going to use them. So put those put those in there where they go. I, uh, you know, the cats. Oh my goodness! I know this is not one of the things everybody loves to hear about because not everybody likes cats, and I get it. But I'm a cat person. I did not realize that anybody cared enough to study how they smell, how their nose works. We do know that cats cats are really very very prescient. They can pretty much tell you what's going on. They can also give you an awful lot of in, input around the house because they will. They don't like stuff that doesn't smell like they don't like, and they'll show it to you. It might be something that you need to do something about. But 
I love that they created a 3D computer model, 3D computer model of the cat nose. And then they simulated inhalation of air containing all sorts of stuff, cat food odors and other things, so that they could see how stuff flowed through the structures. They found that the air really does separate into two streams, which I wish it would do for us, one that is absolutely humidified, and cleaned and is the air that they breathe and the other that actually delivers the odorant to their sensory sensory system first so then they know what to do i had no idea that the cats had two part absolute brain two part noses that implies that they have more brains we're going to end up with the cats like the octopus before it's too hollow oh my goodness then they'll give me all the power jody in harrison county welcome in how you doing today Miss Nelly, I couldn't be better. As a matter of fact, if I was any better, it had to be twins. <laughs> I like that one. How are you doing, sweetie? Really well, thank How you. you. Just really well. Okay. Um, you said you only bacon a couple times a year. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, why? Because um, I used to eat a whole lot of it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> had to get away from the preservatives a little bit. Had, I had oh, had two oh, memories had had an awful lot of memories associated with it, and it after things happened, I couldn't cook it anymore. So I've just only gotten back okay. around. But I, okay, I do well. think I do think, frankly, that having grown up on bologna and bacon, I could probably use with a few less preservatives in my food, a few less nitrites. Well, yeah. you know? uh, well I I've been a carnivore. For like, and I, and I grow all kind of. I was just telling Lance that I, I'm pulling my corn right now. Mm. And I'm drenched in sweat, but I I pretty much eat, eat only meat, and uh, my blood pressure and all that went down. Everything's going down. So, uh, I was wanting to suggest to you, and if you need to shut me down, that's fine. I don't want to. I'm not getting political or anything like that. It's just about health. Um, Dr. Benjamin Bittman is a metabolic. Uh, researcher. He's also a professor at uh, Brigham Young University. And then there's Dr. Ken Berry, who is a family physician up in Tennessee. Um, they don't have a problem with bacon at all. I know about Dr. They, Berry's they, they, work. I know about Dr. Berry's work, and I appreciate him very, very much. You know what else I know? There's so many okay. different ways to get our bodies to work that each of us has to find out Absolutely. which one it is. I like that you're a carnivore and grow vegetables, though, Jody, because that means I can come see you and have plenty of dinner. Listen, I got to go. Thank you for calling. Appreciate hearing from you. Take care of Harrison County for me. Stick around now. This is Weekend Gardening. Shot squirrels out behind my house. I learned a lot about this world way down south. Nine ninety-five. Here's how to welcome back to Doghouse Living. We're talking with Bob and Jenny. So what's next with your doghouse? Well, we're going to put on an addition. We've got a litter on the way. And I don't know where we're going to put all of them. Be careful, Bob. You're already in hot water for not calling 811. You don't want to get busted. 
for littering. Folks, stay out of the doghouse. Call 811 before you dig. Let's make our goal zero damages, zero injuries. Do you ever feel like you're in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators are sure you'll always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat, and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Energy for everyone, propane. Visit MSPropane.com. That's MSPropane.com today. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th and Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. Greatness doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, focus, and dedication. At Shelter Insurance, we understand that because we put in the hard work and dedication for decades. And that commitment has paid off with award-winning customer service for your auto, home, and life insurance. Jamie Creel, Shelter Insurance. Come see why we're more than just an agent. Proudly serving the Jackson Metro area and the great state of Mississippi. Give us a call at 601-992-6000. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles, with an auto warranty about to expire, or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800 600 Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-613-7356. That's 800-613-7356. What do you have to lose? Call 800-613-7356. Again, 800-613-7356. Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com. If you have ever thought about remodeling your bathroom but were worried it would take too long or cost too much, then stop worrying. Right now, Jacuzzi Bath Remodel has designed a collection of high-quality custom products and perfected the one-day remodeling experience so you can enjoy your new bathroom faster than ever before. It's a worry-free bath remodel from the most trusted brand name in the business, Jacuzzi. For a virtual or in-home appointment, call 800-826-9895. That's 800-826-9895. 800-826-9895. Yeah. 
forgot something. Did you plant your pumpkins yet? Better hurry up. (laughs) You know, here's the thing. Pumpkins don't necessarily take all the way from now until Halloween to make pumpkins. But the smallest ones, the little minis that are so cute that you want to start decorating the tables with, even they take more than two months. The big ones, you know, Connecticut General and all those gigantic things that, I don't know, that's not the name of it, but they have names like that. Um, Those are all 100, 110 day varieties. So in order to get them grown, give yourself always a a week of maybe it's not going to grow as fast as it should. Maybe it's going to grow too fast, but give yourself that little extra margin of time and realize that the reason, one of the reasons we grow hard shell things like pumpkins is because they last so long once they're ripe. So even if yours are ready at the first part of October, they're still going to be fine for Halloween, maybe even Thanksgiving, depending on the conditions. So we plant them now because they need the heat. But the main mistake people make in planting pumpkins is they don't give them enough room and they don't put a reservoir in with them. So that's what I wanted to tell you today is if you are planting pumpkins or gourds or loofah sponges or kushaws or any of the things that take all summer to make, even merlitons, and I hope you've planted those already because they take even longer, but all of those sorts of things, when the weather is unpredictable, And the vines have to grow so thrifty, so fast. This is when we take that gallon jug, poke holes in the bottom of it, bury it in the mound, because we're going to make a hill for these things. You know, we need like a four-by-four area of well-tilled soil. Plant the seeds in the middle, plant the reservoir right next to it, and then come in with landscape cloth, cover the whole thing, and mulch it. All right. Then you keep that thing full of water and fertilizer all the way from now until the end of September. You will have pumpkins or gourds or kushas or whichever one it is. But if you don't do that, it's going to be more of a struggle. And we, I realize it has been raining very consistently. Trust me, that will stop somewhere in here. So by all means, give yourself that opportunity. I, um, I, I don't know any marine biologists by, by their first names. But I can tell you that among the things that they do, they they scuba dive. They also go into commercial areas that are underwater and try to figure out what's happening when perhaps a building is coming apart or a tunnel or that sort of thing. Some of this work has been done in Vietnam recently. And, of course, because, you know, nature is nature, they have now found sponges as far apart as Thailand and, Thailand and Hawaii that are actually related to each other and had never been seen in the same places before. Is that crazy? Some of them, they're so different. Some of them are purple and huge. They look like overgrown cabbage leaves. Other ones are tubular and green, but they're all different. These are ones that they had not seen before. They had to recognize them as distinct both from their shape, from their in intensity inside and also their their dna and they found them there are these are um cladacroches are if you've if you've ever studied sea sponges these are 10 times bigger than the ones you've studied (laughs) that's the other thing that's so cool about it um, i love this they were inside of a tunnel exploring and found these things and then they ended up going back and finding them and when they found them more and brought more light Apparently, it lit up with the, the things that sponges they never knew were there. I just think that's wonderful. If we don't, if we don't get these things, we don't figure these things out. 
how would we know to protect them? How would we know? And obviously, they're essential to the ecology of that particular environment. Sea sponges are extremely efficient filters, and particularly, particularly, frankly, in situations like this where they're inside of a commercial structure like a tunnel. You know, that's interesting stuff. If you were a person who studied lizards and you discovered a new one, how would you know that? That also happened in Vietnam recently. And whenever they say a new species is very secretive, I figure I'm not going to see it. I better look at the pictures. But this is Cat Tien slender geckos. Slender geckos are the ones that don't have any spikes on them. They don't have knobby feet particularly. They look just like they've been sort of um, sanded off a little bit. You know, they're, they're neater looking. These have triangular heads, though, which is what made them different. So people have been looking at lizards forever, these particular researchers, and they were in Cat Tien National Park about two years ago. They started looking, they were, you know, surveying as, as, as they do, reptiles and amphibians and whatnot. It's a beautiful park, one that has lots and lots of creatures in it, some of which we have never seen before. And what they did was they looked up and saw something in the tree moving away from them. And it turned out to be these two lizards that were trying to escape. They shook the branch. One of them fell down. Now, for you, those of you who say they broke up this happy couple, I'm sorry, but we need to know these things for science sometimes. I'm sure they'll find their way back together <clears throat> if it's meant to be. And this particular researcher had never seen this before, so, of course, they immediately had to go and figure out what it is. And, yes, completely different. Never saw it before. Been right there in that park all this time. Thousands of people walked by there, never saw them. And if they hadn't moved away, because they're basically the same color as the branch, the, pe- the, the scientists would never have found them this time either. I love that. Uh, yeah, my butterball, orange tabby butterscotch, he, I think he, he <laughs> in his mind, it's like he thinks, uh, I dream of lizard. Ah, that's, that's his whole thing. Yes, so I think yes. he's been researching these you know, on his own time Trying somewhere. Trying to take them out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's all about it. So, uh, Well, Larry and his I did notice that one of Larry's children, all the lizards at my house are named Larry, has only half a tail. So I know the cats got a little closer than I would have wanted them to. <laughs> that's what happens. Do you want to feel better about elephants? Do you want to know something else about them that, that you didn't know? Well, of course you do. You wouldn't be here otherwise. Brown University, which is one of the great universities on the East Coast that that you should consider if you have the means to get there because they're real smart folks that come out of there. They tell me today in a very authoritative statement, elephants eat plants. Well, yeah, I knew that. But did you know, and you probably didn't because I certainly didn't, they will, in an area, they will choose different plants for dinner every night. They do not eat the same thing. So if you are caring for elephants or trying to encourage a better environment for them or, God forbid, they're in captivity somewhere, you got to be careful what you feed them because they don't eat the same thing every night. This is not like, you know, rabbit chow or something. Not that rabbits want to eat the same thing every night either. But looking in Royal Society Open Science, they're trying to understand and explain to conservationists why this is such a difficult process. And I'm not making light of it at all. What I want to tell you is that just like you don't want to eat the same thing every night, neither do the elephants. I think that's kind of wonderful. I'm glad they had some choices. Well, and they have, you know, obviously they have a great memory too. At least they that's know the, what they had. So they, that's they, right. They, that's right. They've got that all figured out. 
um, non non ecologists, non people that are just like elephant fans, had no idea about this. And now that they've documented what it is, the diversity of plant material that needs to be in any kind of elephant's environment is much greater than they thought. So I like that. They they analyzed the dietary habits of two different groups of of elephants in Kenya. Wouldn't that have been fun? I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> Go on that particular adventure. Give yourself a chance to see some things that you really hadn't seen before. Goodness gracious. You know, when we get to the end of the program every week, I like to say thank you to everybody. I like to say thank you so much to y'all for calling and texting. I like to say thank you to Lance for not turning the microphone off and, you know, trying to censor me over there. I appreciate that. I know we share a lot of things in common. Everybody celebrates. Everybody grieves. Then we get up. And we go on. We put one foot in front of the other. We wind the clock because tomorrow's another day. I encourage you to do that. Thank you for all your birthday wishes. And tomorrow's going to be a really good day. Fried shrimp, yellow watermelon, and sliced tomatoes. Come on, y'all. Join me. This is Weekend Gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of South Communication. your taste buds with Bluebell Java Jolt, a delicious pint of coffee ice cream with dark chocolate-flavored chunks and a decadent coffee fudge swirl. It's the jolt you need to perk up your day. The good old days are being made right now. Look for Bluebell ice cream at your local grocer and pick up your favorite flavor today. ESISupply.net. It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. ESISupply.net. Exorbent pads by the bundle or roll. ESISupply.net. Socknet boom products, oil gator, oil dry spill kits, and much more. ESISupply.net. Take it from Scary Gary. If it can spill, it's gonna. ESI Supply, 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910 or online at ESISupply.net. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Dream Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? <sighs> Dream, the new degree of comfort. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.